Moving on to China, obviously China's growth slowdown in relative terms uh, is having an effect on its uh, exports. Uh, what, what, are you, what are you seeing in terms of uh, the export, the general trade picture in China? The general trade picture in China is for a slight slowing of trade, um, slight slowing of exports, slight slowing of imports. In actual fact, what's interesting is that over the last five years, imports into China have only grown at an annualised rate of about 0.5-0.6%. So actually, imports into China have not um, have not been um, suggesting that China is um, doing anything other than developing its own capabilities on the basis of what it's importing. And that's what's presenting a political and geopolitical problem for other regions around the world, for Europe and for um, the United States. So we're very clearly seeing this economic slowdown or less than spectacular economic growth in China, which is having an effect on um, the amount it's importing. Alongside that, Made in China 2025 um, is very much focused on self-sufficiency. So um, it's focused on, uh, by 2020, 40% of Chinese manufacturing capability being sourced from within China rather than outside of China. And by 2025, that actually rising to 70%. So, so China is... Um, is trying to increase, as you would expect for an emerging economy, it's trying to increase its self-sufficiency. The problem for the rest of the, the world, in a way, is that it also has alternative um, systems of technology. It wants to compete in biopharmaceuticals. It wants to compete in high-end engineering. Um, it wants to compete in artificial intelligence and data. And this, don't forget, this is a different economic system. So China has this big trust problem, effectively, which, um, which means that the more influence it has and the more money it puts behind all of these things, the, the more other parts of the world suspect that there's something else going on. It could just be an emerging economy trying to get out of its its, its various traps, like a debt trap or the non-convertibility of the renminbi, etc. But it's seen as a it's seen as a um, a threat by the rest of the world. You and I were both in Beijing uh, earlier in the year um, with the ICC looking at, um, at the time Huawei was under a certain amount of pressure in the US. Do you think uh, this, with the trade tensions that these, these sorts of things are going to ca carry on being high tension or easing off? So Huawei is an interesting one because um, there are two battles going on here. The first is a is on the face of it simply about um, Iranian sanctions, um, and so Iranian sanctions are um, are have been imposed. The U.S. has been very strict on those, and Huawei is seen as contravening those sanctions. So under global trade rules, uh, it it seems to be the case that. Um, Huawei is in contravention of them, and there's this extradition between Canada um, and and uh, the U.S. dispute going on of their chief finance officer. Now, that's one set of things, and that's about sanctions busting, and and it's and, and, and officials are trying to keep that separate from a broader conversation because the other conversation where Huawei is involved is about its involvement in 5G. And about its involvement in um, in the technology networks um, and the high end technologies that are evolving across Europe in particular. 
Um, and the US government is using that within the trade war framework. So it's saying we've got to have control of intellectual property. We've got to be absolutely sure that there is no, um, no prospect of there being any kind of cybersecurity breaches within all of this. And that creates a problem for China because China has actually been involved um, in the um, European development of 5G networks for a very long time. This is not a new thing. 5G has been around for five, six, seven years or more. And um, Huawei has been working with um, the organizations and the companies within Europe to develop those networks. You walk into, you walk into um, a, a, a German airport and you see Huawei and 5G all over the place. So it's, a, it's something that has been um, part of the Huawei strategy to integrate itself into, um, into those networks. Now for China, the, the, the strategy here is that obviously increasing more technology, uh, more competitiveness in the digital artificial, and artificial intelligence and data space is a policy. It's part of their strategy to promote Chinese independence. For the US, it's creating tensions because it suggests that there might be a way of effectively a foreign government, because it has influence over Huawei, um, having some kind of um, read into um, security and, um, and, and national security and national security protection mechanisms. And that's the problem. That's why this whole sort of technology 5G, um, do American companies work with Huawei um, and do, um, do European companies and governments work with Huawei. Um, the US is trying to influence that against um, Huawei at the moment. I think for China what it does is it says, we know that we are becoming more competitive in these sectors. The evidence is there in the data. If you look at Chinese exports in high-tech sectors, they are increasing and they are increasing very rapidly. Part of that is because it's from a low base in the first place, but it's also because um, they have prioritized this and they prioritized self-sufficiency uh, in being competitive at this end of the market. So what China may consider doing um, is actually saying, well, if we can't work with the US and we have to work separately and we have to be independent, and what that does, it creates two separate systems in the world, and that's very damaging. Absolutely. In terms of uh, Chinese exports generally, I mean, obviously we've seen certain regions being affected by the, the uh, slowdown because of trade wars. Um, uh, we've also seen still sort of a, a effectively a shadow banking um, and potentially another credit bubble, um, which has been talked about for years. But uh, any signs of anything in terms of trade data as to as to if there are any issues on that side? In terms of the data on trade, all you see is a slowing of um, Chinese exports. I mean, they're still growing, but they're not growing as fast as they were. Um, China has been undertaking a major strategic shift since Xi came to power in 2012. It's been trying to reorient itself towards being a demand-led economy. That process at a, at a, and consuming high-value products and producing high-value products to get out of what economists call the middle-income middle 
um, economic development trap. So where you get where you get rising wages and you get um, you get slowing demand and um, the economy stagnates in this sort of middle income place. And China has very um, very pointedly been trying not to get into that trap with its uh, Belt and Road Initiative and with its um, Made in China 2025, and you know it's perfectly justified. It's an economic strategy. It's an emerging. It's an emerging economy. It's perfectly justified to go ahead and um, and compete in that space. To the issue of the debt trap, Chinese debt is is. It, it's nearly twice the level of US debt and US debt is 3 trillion. It's about 5.7 trillion US dollars. So it's, it's, it's massive. What is beginning to happen is that the Belt and Road Initiative is being used to manage some of that debt. So um, the Belt and Road Initiative is actually securitizing that debt around, um, around the infrastructures that are being built across um, across Eurasia, um, the Middle East, Africa, and into Europe. So there is debt there. Other companies and other banks are coming along and they're sharing. And then there is an asset. There is something safe underneath it, which is, you know, Saudi oil production or, um, you know, some kind of ownership of a port. And we've seen that happen with Sri Lanka and we've seen it with Guadalajara and Pakistan, that ownership of the port or ownership of the structures around that um, have actually been used to leverage debt. And, and I think on, on the Chinese side, so it is creating a debt bubble um, across, across the world. The issue is the extent to which the trade war will actually prevent overseas companies and banks and financial institutions from getting involved with all of that because if they are prevented from becoming involved then that then there is a debt problem around the world and one last question on china just uh, given the current issues around uh, hong kong um, hong kong crisis do you think do you see any internal shifting uh, or any any negative effects uh, on, in terms of trade uh, from hong kong and hong kong's role as a as an independent uh, entrepreneur effectively hong kong is a semi autonomous region and president xi is um very focused on the semi autonomous rather than the autonomous part of that um, so um, his view is that hong kong taiwan and the territories that are semi-autonomous are actually under the chinese umbrella so what we see in trade terms actually is that while hong kong trades with china china doesn't necessarily trade with hong kong so you can't see it because china treats its trade with hong kong as part of chinese trade um, so actually in the way the data is configured you've got you've got a um a potential for confusion there because hong kong reports its data separately to china and and china incorporates hong kong it's very much the case that um, there is always going to be a tension socially domestically and in terms of uh, regime tension and this is something that we pick up in the data all the time that there's a tension there there's threat of domestic conflict there when we look at hong kong it's been there and we've seen that escalate and we've seen it escalate in the most recent data as well so there's always something there and what we're seeing at the moment is almost a is almost a um a, a sort of um point at which an inflection point where that where that's turning into something really quite serious 
but in the end um china is does not want hong kong to lose its international status so again a lot of this is about the games we play a lot of this is about the strategic game that china is playing with the rest of the world because hong kong is a major international financial center it processes and manages a huge amount of trade finance it cannot um it cannot lose that role because china if it wants to carry through its um, approaches to um, to this multilateral agenda that it's explicitly stating that it has, it has to have that independent financial centre. So, so Hong Kong's role is actually very important in all of this and very important in trade terms. Rebecca, thank you. Thank you.